Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, well, you're a loser and missing out. So get it together. Uh, Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool new features like curated shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it will be yours too. So do yourself a favor and download Himalaya today and be sure to follow my show, Worst Firsts, once you're there. Bye. Oh my God, are these on? They're on, right? Can everyone hear okay? This is so funny. I guess come on up, Nikki, because this is like, I thought we were gonna have like podcast chairs, but this is like a real uh, Comic-Con panel. Like we just had a movie come out or something. I was standing over there because I thought you were supposed to introduce me. I, I know I was going to, but then you were just right there and everyone saw you. So, I just so just, just yeah. get up here. I, just, just come on up. Okay. You know what? Just come on up. Hi, guys. How is everybody? This is so exciting to have all of you here. How many of you came from out of town? Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> Some of you flew on planes. <laughs> wow. Oh, my oh, wow, God. Wow, that's great. This is amazing. Italy! Oh my God! All right. All right. You guys are amazing. You got some good stories for these people. I mean, they they book plane tickets. So. <laughs> right? Like, you better have some good stories. I better have something good. I told you it was going to be the most boring one ever, no, and you're like, no, no, no I won't no. do that. Guys, give a round of applause for Nikki Six from Motley Crew. This is amazing. So grateful for all of you guys that have come here, who listen to the Worst First podcast. It's so amazing and so exciting that we get to have a panel at Comic Con and get to do the podcast live, and to have you as my guest, which I love. Cool. I'm so awesome. grateful for. Um, so, as you guys know, the podcast started uh, because I was going on a bunch of bad dates in LA, my worst first dates, and then I got I told all the dates that I could possibly tell, and then I started bringing people on. And having them tell their worst dates, and then it turned into worst first jobs, worst first, you know, drug trips, and all sorts of other things. So now here we are today with Nikki, who's going to tell us some of his worst first. My worst first. <laughs> well, do you have any questions? Yeah. Or, well, where do you like... want to start? Because like I know you had a crazy childhood. Have you guys yeah. seen the dirt? Who's seen the dirt in here? Yeah. So you guys already kind of know the backstory on Nikki. Yeah. You grew up in California. I well, no, I grew up in. Uh, we traveled a lot. Yes. We traveled at like every about every six months we moved. So I lived in El Paso, Texas, Anthony, New Mexico. I lived in Mexico for a year. Wow. I lived in Lake Tahoe. I lived in Reno. I lived in Portland. I lived in Seattle. I lived in uh, Jesus. That wasn't uh, in the movie. Twin Falls, Idaho. Jerome, Idaho. Yeah. So we moved all the time, which led to me being extremely shy as a kid. Right. Which, when I was younger, like, my hair was always in my eyes. And people would be like, I want to see your pretty eyes. I'm like, no, I don't want you to see see anything. Because I was like, kind of, it had just been the way I'd been kind of wired. Like, I was just kind of shy, tried to stay in the back of the class. And uh, that worked out for me. By the time I, I fell in love with music, but when I got to Seattle, Washington, I was kind of standing in a corner like that weird, creepy kid that carries a notebook <laughs> with him. And I would write down, I'd be like, she has burgundy lips. He has this. Uh, like a little, You're writing like, lyrics. I would be like writing lyrics. And these guys came up to me and asked me if I was in a band. And I was like, yeah. How old were you again? I was, that's when I first got to Seattle. So I was about 15. 15? 15, somewhere Like, yo, 15-year-old, you in a band or what? But I wasn't in a band. <laughs> but you weren't. I didn't even, I didn't even have a guitar. <laughs> so, so you were like, so, yeah, yeah, I was in a band. Hell yeah. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that, that led to, yeah, that led to a whole lot of experimenting with music and stuff. But, um, and you picked up a bass at what age? I first, um, my first instrument was a, was, my mom was uh, married to this guy in Seattle. So when I went up to Seattle, I had notebooks of lyrics and short stories and stuff. And I was, I kind of had to leave Idaho because I was becoming like that, that teenage zombie, rambunctious, smoking weed. My grandparents didn't get it. So I went to Seattle. My mom was super open. I could do anything I wanted. 
and um, there was this guitar in the corner from this guy, uh, Ramon, that she was married to, and it had three strings on it. Those three strings were, were broken, three strings were on it. Wow. And I remember picking it up, and I just went, boom. And I was like, what? Boom. And, and I started reading my words while I was playing that note, mm -hmm. and then I moved my finger, and it's like my fucking head exploded. You I was like, it. oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write music. Oh, my God. It just like happened at that moment, because I kind of, everything that I was obsessed with, all the bands I was obsessed with, I got the idea of melody and lyric. Yeah. And um, still, like, still to this day, whenever I write music, I usually will stay on one note as long as, as I can until like, I've exhausted that, that lyric or melody line, and then I'll add a second note. So most of anything that I've you know, written on my own, people will listen to it and go, oh, it's, it's very element, you know, it's very, like, it's very simple. Like, yeah. Songs like Shout at the Devil are very simple. Yeah. It's because I'm trying to say something within it, and the notes meant less than the melody and the lyric, which now, as a you know, musician who can actually play my instrument better, yeah. Um, even though I could play like during the early days of Molly Crew, I've gotten now it's like I, I write music differently. Yeah, because yeah. you spend a lot more time. But before you got your job being a musician, <laughs> I want to talk about you, talk you about, had your you, worst first careers because I know for a fact that before Motley hit it big, you guys were all doing some different stuff. And what was it that you were doing to make money? Because I know it's insane. Well, before I tell you that, <laughs> I, I have to tell you, um, it's always smart when you're gonna tell a story like this to run it by your wife once. <laughs> so Shout out to Courtney, who's she's here. Wherever she is out <laughs> there. She's in here, there she is. So I was going, well, I was telling her about this girl named Susie Maddox. When we, li we lived in a trailer in Jerome, Idaho. Oh my God. I don't think I know this story. I was thinking about your telemarketing job. I don't know if, no, that, we'll talk about the telemarketing <laughs> job too. Okay, so I don't even know this story. Okay. So okay. I don't know if anybody really knows this story. Oh I, I'm my not God. sure. Here so we go. so Su Susie was a, um, we, we lived in Jerome, Idaho, and she was a, um, a larger girl, and I was a very skinny kid with kind of, my grandfather like really liked the military haircut, <laughs> so I was like trying to grow it out, but I was basically a dork. Okay. So like so Susie um, found interest in me somehow, so it was kind of like my first girlfriend, and so we, I would, um, we had to walk two miles from the trailer to the, like the soda fountain pharmacy that they have in small towns. There was only one, we got a stoplight in Jerome, Idaho. And it was like, I remember they had a parade. I was like, I gotta get out of this town. This is, <laughs> this is, not, this is not how I'm gonna live the rest of my life. And um, we would go up there and we would like, you know, hold hands. Aww. And uh, listen, look at the records, all the records that were out. And um, so Susie called me at the trailer, and we had one phone that was like, uh, you know, you ever see the, the, the old phones where that was like uh, wrapped in cloth? You ever see this? Anyway, so oh it's it a very short phone, phone line <laughs> oh and gosh. a Bakelite phone, and that was like my grandma had it. That's who I live with, my grandma and grandfather. They had it at like kind of like right in the middle of... You had like a the, knitted the, phone? Your basically, your it's knitted. It, yeah. it didn't even work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just use the phone. It's just a puffy phone. She, she, was, she was knitting all the time, too. <laughs> She's uh, talking to no one. It's just a fake phone. I'm going, the, God, the guys it. in the Rolling Stones don't wear knitted stuff. I got to get out of Jerome, Idaho. <laughs> your first so, Motley Crue shirt So I remember knitted. Susie called me, and, and my grandmother was like, Nicky, well, it's Frankie, you know, your, you know, your girlfriend's on the phone. Uh -huh. And she said, I have a present for you. Okay. And I was like, this is great. I'm doing good. Okay. I got a girl. She has glasses, but that's okay. So I had glasses, too. You guys were nerds together. We're total nerds in Idaho, destined for to, to, <laughs> to live on a potato, a potato farm. farm. Yeah. Yes, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going to end up, on a potato farm. So she said, I have a, um, a present for you. And I said, can you give me a hint? And she just gave me the uh she's like it rhymes with pagina well kind <laughs> of like, uh, she said she said uh, uh the, in the initials are bj what 
And I was like, and, and I gotta Grandma tell you. Grandma's on the phone, she's like, what is that? Did you say pe- <laughs> peanut butter and jelly? What is- so I was BJ. like, what's what's that? BJ. That's really sad. Wait, you didn't know what I didn't BJ know what it was, was then? I didn't know what it was. You had no idea. I had no idea what it was. So I, she said, come to this house. I'm babysitting tonight. So I went to the house. Oh, my God. And she answered the door in the woman's, uh, the, you know, the, the, the couple that she had babysitting for. She had gone to the wife's closet and put on her lingerie. Oh, my God. So Susie the lady met, comes home. She's like, uh, "Excuse me, what are you doing?" Uh, well, they wow. there was nobody home but okay. but me and Susie and <laughs> some sleeping baby. And the baby's like, "What the fuck?" And she okay. said, <laughs> "She um, that's how I lost my virginity." What? Yeah, this is your virginity story. That's my virginity story. You I lost thought, it to I, Susie. I told you I was gonna give you something good. Damn. Wait, what was her last name? I don't. Uh, Let's look yeah, her I, I, I remember Who's got her, her last Facebook name. Open? If I now today, see if I said if I said her last name right now, I probably already did. I'm a little brain dead. Then everyone, oh yeah, great! Everybody's like reaching out to her right now. They're they're on her Facebook page. This is live right now in Studio (laughs) Seventy (laughs) One. So that's how you lost your virginity. Yeah, that's it. How old were you? I was I was young. I was like you know, I was like Idaho farm boy. Farm boy, like young. 14, 16? Yeah, like in there. That's young. Do you did you That's think it was rad the first time? I don't know. I was just I just so you were like, this is just a nice warm. Now spot. I hear BJ. I hear Bon Jovi and it's because it's me. Even stand for a blowjob. This is me. Bon Jovi now. Oh my god, you're gonna give me a Bon Jovi, honey? I love that. I love a Bon Jovi. I love it. It's my life. Is that Bon Jovi? That's Bon Jovi, right? No. Okay. Am I wrong? It is. So okay. there you go. That's crazy. That's, that's the good. first time you lost that's your my, That's my worst, worst first, yeah. Wow. Okay, so I, do you remember, like, I was looking on, uh, do you remember Bullwinkle, who Tommy dated? Yeah, I remember Bullwinkle. That's so crazy, because someone actually posted a picture of her now on Facebook, and I saw it, too, and I was like, what? So I wonder where Susie is. I don't know. Do you th- <laughs> I don't know. I just. Do you think she's still in Idaho? <laughs> Probably. Wow. The times have changed. Times have changed, yeah. Okay, so then you moved. Um, I'm just going to fast forward to when you finally were living with the guys, okay, yep, and yep, Motley, and you yep. guys had just started. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about your worst first job, because you guys were mm. all working crazy jobs. You know, Turner's Liquor Store down on the corner, right? Yeah, I worked at Turner's Liquor Store. I, I worked at Turner's Liquor Store Which in the late there, 70s, right? before, I met, before I met Tommy oh or Vince or Mick. Yeah, I worked there. And uh, I remember that I would be behind the counter and, you know, work, you know, two, two o'clock in the morning in Hollywood in the 70s. And I remember that there was Ginger and there was Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Every, like some, some people were Marianne people and some people were Ginger people. <laughs> Uh, you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> Yo, I'm you like, do? I don't okay. even know what Gilligan's Island is. No, I'm so kidding, Ginger came rolling in, hammered. Whoa. Hardly any clothes on, fur jacket. And I'm like, this is awesome. Then some, <laughs> some like kind of older rock stars came in. I'm not going to use their names. But all these different kinds of people would come in. And you were working. And, one, and this one kid came in, and he was like, hey, man, you think you can like sell me some rum or something? And it was Gilby Clark. What? And he was in a band called Candy. Yeah. That is so crazy yeah. when he was a kid. When he was a kid, yeah. So he was nobody then yet. Huh? Just a kid looking for rum at that point. Yeah. Oh well, no, I mean, God. no, he was playing. He was in a band called Candy. And, and the 70s were kind of cool in L.A. because the punk had kind of come. And it wasn't really connecting a new wave. It was kind of a vanilla time. So the late 70s, very beginning of the 80s were a really interesting time. Because we were taking what we liked from punk and what we liked from British heavy metal and what we liked from like, like the glam rock that we liked, like Bowie and yeah. Elton John, and we were just mixing it all together. So it was like a really kind of a cool time. It was a dead time, but some of these bands were starting to get ideas. And like you I, were in the band London, right? I was in the band London, yeah. You started it. Yeah, I started it with, uh, with uh, Lizzie Gray. Cool. And then where are those people now? Uh, I don't know. That band went through a lot of changes because yeah. I I had sit down. You guys were popular, right? Because I remember we were Tommy bi- said we were he like went the, to see you guys. Yeah, Tommy would go see yeah, the band. Yeah. The band was was getting huge in Los Angeles. Yeah, I had this like I wanted the band to be a lot harder, 
and the, the singer was really difficult to deal with. The rest of the, you know, every, there was five guys in the band and everybody was a songwriter. So that can sometimes become a problem because I had a, we had a keyboard player, so we would end up, I'm like, wow, man, that sounds like Journey, that's not good. And then the next guy would be like, <laughs> I'd be like, that sounds like Sex Pistols, okay, that's good. And they would, but we were trying to find our way, you know? So we were kind of like, Mott the Hoople, T-Rex, you know, sounding. Kind of mixed together. It was poppy, glam, it was, it was a cool band, and, um, but I wanted to be heavier, and the singer disagreed with me, so I started writing a lot of the music that ended up being on the first Motley Crue album, and I didn't show it to them, because I knew if I showed them the idea, I would just, I would just get shut down. Wow. So okay, I just so I kept it to myself, and then I quit the band. I remember the day I quit the band, and I had already seen Tommy play drums. And I had, then I reached out to Tommy, who had come to see me live, so he was excited to, yeah. you know, to, to, to meet me and hang out and talk about making music together. And he had this guitar player named Greg Leon that with him, and that, he was in a band called Sweet 19. And the Greg Leon was a super talented singer, guitar player, it was his band. I had no one, I didn't want nothing to do with Greg. I only wanted Tommy. Yeah. So then I invited Tommy over to this like really rundown house I had. It was just bass and drums. And we started running through songs like Livewire and Stick to Your Guns, which is a song, unless you're a real diehard fan, you won't know that one. Um, and Toast to the Town. Just and the two take of the, you. Just the two of us while wow. we were looking for guitar players. And then you put the ad in the paper, like in the movie. Uh, Mick put an ad in the paper. Oh, he yeah, put with an Mick, ad. Yeah, Mick put an ad. It. Yeah, and it said Loud Root Aggressive Guitar Player. And then you guys. So the movie's a little, you know, yeah. not exactly. Right. Exactly in some of those parts because you know when you're making a movie you can't do it exactly in order. It's just it was just very difficult. And then am I? Because it would have showed me. It would have taken a part of the movie and made it about me being in another band. Yeah. And then quitting the band. And then meeting Tommy, and then, so they would Starting have like taken band. up fifteen minutes. So like that's what that's what I learned making the movie, and I think that's what we all learned was that it's um, you know you, you got to kind of like gonna kind of soft step around some stuff. And sometimes like like our manager Doc McGee and Doug Thaler, there just wasn't enough time unless it was a mini series to bring in his character right, as well. Right, so they said they cut him. So the they kind of they cut him, which was kind of fun. But I still haven't talked to him. It's like the spark notes of your I'm life. I'm scared to call him. <laughs> Be like, hey man, hey, did you see the movie? Did you see yourself disappear in the? Hey, film? remember all those years where we put you through so much shit and then we fired you? Did Wait, you see I the movie? Talk about oh, all sorry. This. I want to talk about all the worst shit you guys did to your managers because I know you did horrible shit to them. Horrible shit. No. It's so crazy how reserved you are now just because of all the stories I'm constantly told just sitting at home with Tommy. Oh, we used to do this. We used to do that. And now I'm just sitting here with you and you're so calm. <laughs> it's like so crazy. Like, yeah, Nikki was fucking psycho. Like, I'm like, I can't even imagine <laughs> it. But he's like always telling me all these well, stories. Well, Tommy's pretty mellowed out too. You guys are both mellowed out. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Like, I mean, what, we, me and Tommy got together the day and took a nap together. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like, like it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's all kind of relaxed a little bit, but I'll no. sometimes be at dinner with people and they'll be like, "Yeah, like my my kid did this," and then yeah. just inside I'm like, "You don't even know." Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's nothing. I sometimes wake up and feel, and think, "Oh my God, my mom." Yes, like you feel bad. Yeah. Okay. And my mom once saw a picture of me after I tattooed half of my body, and she she still didn't understand that. Actually, Motley Crue was a big band. She thought it was, oh, you know, her son kind of got lucky. He's in a band, you know. She didn't realize you were touring the world. She just kind of didn't really get it, and and a lot of parents don't. So she asked me, literally asked me if I was going to join the circus. <laughs> she goes, well, is this like your next thing? You're going to join the circus? And I go, I kind of already <laughs> oh am God. in the circus. <laughs> the carnival of sin. Yeah, carnival. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's like, so this is like a clown thing or what? Yeah. Like a yeah. new age clown you're thing. So you're saying I was, I would be the clown in the yeah. band. Yeah. No, no, no. That's like, Tommy would be the, the clown in the band. Nose come along. We're waiting for it. <laughs> Tommy's not here, so I can say Tommy would be yeah, the clown. Yeah, we can talk right? shit on Tommy, guys. Tommy's home with the flu. He's, He's like home dying with the of flu. Ebola right now. So yeah, so shout out to Tommy. We love him. He would have been here. He feels really bad, but um. 
But I wanted this to be about you, and I wanted to, because I wanted to hear all your worst, and I, I want to hear more about the job that the you jo did, not just at Turner's when you did the telemarketing, or did oh, you do a light bulb company? A light bulb company, okay, yeah. You have to tell them what you okay. did, okay? because this is so fucked up. It's hilarious. <laughs> but they ran like a scheme. Like, a it was like scheme, a scheme, yeah. So I was you know, working... Whatever job I could get. There was a magazine, it might still be here in Los Angeles, called Recycler Magazine. So at the time, they would have like, you could go under Bass Players Wanted, and then it would be a list of all, you know, the, what bands were looking for. There'd be yeah. like, you know, jobs, there'd be all kinds of stuff in there. And so I would get jobs out of there. And Lizzie, who was uh, my, my, like my Tommy in, yeah. in London, me and him drove, went everywhere together, and so we would work all these odd in jobs. I used to work at a club called the Starwood with him. Oh my God, yeah. You ever hear of that the place? Starwood, yeah. So we used to be in the day. We were like slash janitor, runner. Uh, we used to have to put up like uh, like any damage that was done the night before, like you know, to the paneling. We'd yeah, have to go to the. It go and like put the paneling up. I don't even know how to use a hammer, so I don't know how I got that job. <laughs> just headbanging the wood. Headbanging the, wall, the wood. Like, yeah, this should work. Okay. And then we would go out um, after like when the club was gonna like open and we would go out to whoever had a car and we had our clothes in and we'd change in our clothes and we'd go back inside and stand up against the wall. Hey oh, baby. Oh my God. Yeah, we'd be insane. standing there like, hey what's going on? Oh, my God. And that was like our <laughs> whole thing at the Starwood. And then I ended up, I was sort of like a runner, and there was a guy named David Forrest there who ran the place. And that was all, if you've ever seen anything with like the Wonderland killings and Eddie Nash and that whole thing, that was the whole group. And I was just really young, 18 years old, and they would like tell me to go out and pick up a brown envelope like on Selma Avenue on the corner. And I'm like, okay, somebody gives me a brown envelope. There's I go a finger in it. <laughs> well, basically, there's lots of powder, this let's say, leaking. lots of powder. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was like, I was just like always like running, and I'd go back, and there would be like Mick Jagger would be backstage, and B.B. Buell would be backstage, and like all these people. And I was just, they'd be like, hey, kid, go get us some rum and Coke. And, and now were, you're friends with them. Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Well, I never told them that, that I used to. <laughs> Used to give them, get them Coke. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they know now. <laughs> wait, so wait, um, wait, what was the thing? Am I, am I mixing a story up of when? About you, the light bulbs. Okay, you so. And you, you guys so were, me and Lizzie. Yeah. We're constantly working and um, either getting fired or thinking we could get a better job. So we work for this company in Hollywood that sold light bulbs. Yes. That's what we did. We sit in cubicles and we sit next to each other. Can you imagine calling someone and asking, just trying to sell them a fucking light bulb? Oh, it was the hey, worst so job. It was the worst job well. ever. And oh we get God. like a little commission. Just like the worst. So like, yeah, like, dude, if I need more, <laughs> I'll just go to Target, thanks. Yeah. Right, but the, right. But there, well, there was no really Target. Target. Okay. So one day me and Lizzie were driving to work and we were saying, well, why don't we just start our own company? Your own light bulb business. Start our, so we came up with this idea yeah. called GED, General Electric Distribution. Which is like... It's very close. Isn't there like... What is it? General it's Electric. General, General Electric. Electric. Yeah, yeah. So you guys but, are basically... So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I mean, obviously, it's just the beginning of a lot of criminal activity. <laughs> so, I'm just making you admit to crimes <laughs> on my podcast. <laughs> I'm like, somebody come arrest him after the podcast. I'm just right, yeah, there, there they come. <laughs> yeah. So I... So um, you guys started GED, so we, which you both got. Hopefully. Lizzie went and got a jumpsuit, <laughs> and he had a patch made that said GED on his jumpsuit, and he had a hat that said GED, and he'd tuck his hair back under the you know under the hat yeah. and um, he got one of those magnets and stuck it on the side of his car it said general electric he went distribution all out. and what we did was we bought i forget how many i think four of the cheapest or eight pack of the cheapest fluorescent lighting tubes we could find and we started calling up people and we'd say i'd say hey this is nick johnson with general electric distribution i'm calling your manager back and the person will go, uh, well, uh, Joe's not here right now. Okay, well, are you we're going to distribute the light bulbs. We're coming out to you right now. And what we would do is we would go out, take the cheap light bulbs, put them, Lizzie would put them up in their, uh, you know, replace their light bulbs, take their light bulbs and put them in the box and put them in his car. But what we did is we told them that these light bulbs would last them 10 years. 
and then it would cut their electric bill by 33%. And then I had a calculator, and I was like, you're going to save $6,014. And they're like, this is the great. Then we would take those light bulbs, call up somebody else, like at another grocery store, and then we would go give them the, the other company's light bulbs. light bulbs. So you guys never had to buy new light bulbs. No, we never had to buy new light bulbs. <laughs> guys, the best pyramid scheme you've ever heard. Right? It's like insane. Yeah. That's insane. When Tommy told me that, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, we made good money. Like, it's crazy. And then how smart is it to call someone and go, hey, I'm just calling your manager back. Yeah. Because you know somebody works there is just going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. and that's what happened. And I mean, just, I mean, it was, so, it was so fun to be that age and be in Los Angeles and just do anything you want. There was no real repercussions. You weren't really hurting anybody. Right. But, you know, it was just a, it was a, it was kind of a cool time. I mean, you did what you had to do. You had to survive. You, you just survived. I mean, I remember that when we first started making a little bit of money, I, I could, we couldn't afford guitar strings or bass strings. So what you would do is you'd take them off your bass and you would boil them. What? And you'd boil all the dirt and the grime off of them and then you would restring your instrument. So you could get like a little bit of extra life out of them because we couldn't afford you know, guitar strings. You had to choose between food, guitar strings. And you guys just ate the boiled. Just a bowl <laughs> like, of All right, who wants some guitar, guitar string soup? Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> just throw some pasta in there. I love it. Yeah. Okay, we're taking a quick ad break, and then we will be right back with Nikki Six and Worst First right. Live. I'm going to give you a chance to get a drink of water. And we're back. Isn't that yeah. weird? It's weird for people. Because, like, they don't hear the commercial, but then there's a commercial. Right. I don't know what it's for. Hopefully not boiled guitar strings. <laughs> hey, guys. You never know. You tired of paying full price for guitar strings? We got <laughs> fucking boiled ones. The boiled It'll ones. last you, like, two days. But, you know, it's sick. Uh, I love it. So that's crazy. So then... You know, all those odd jobs and things, and then yeah. you guys were getting paid, like, what, $20 a week? If I mean, manager, if, they, not if even, that, yeah. Not even that. And and then when did it really start to take off? Like, where you were like, okay, now we can survive. The band? Yeah. Like, when would you say that you guys finally were like, okay, we don't have to work the light bulb selling job anymore? Yeah. <laughs> he kicked that to the curb. Like, when did you finally get to kick all that stuff to the curb and just do what you wanted to do? It, it took a while. I mean, when we were, when Motley first started, you know, Tommy was still living at home. Uh, Vince, I think, was living at home. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Mick, we don't know where Mick lived. <laughs> Mick just like lived in. We still in don't an, know where Mick an, lives. Under an overpass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my we God. don't know where Mick lives. Um, and uh, yeah, and I was living, you know, just kind of on surfing on couches and stuff yeah. like that. And um, we. Mick had a guy that was like his roadie, okay. so to speak, mm -hmm. and paid, his though. name was Stick. I don't know. I don't know how what that worked out. I mean, <laughs> he was somehow related to him. Okay, but you know, you just he he would like help Mick with his equipment because Mick had like walls of amplifiers. Well, how did he, he get would, like, all those? I, he just he played a lot of top forty gigs. Wow. That's the thing back. Back back in the seventies, now you have DJs. They you know they make their playlists. They 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 play music. Back then, you learned to play your instrument. You had to join a band of other people that could all play their instrument, and then you would play all those same songs that now you're making a playlist for. And then you would play like six shows a night in these clubs, and those were top 40 bands. Those top 40 bands made really, really good money, but you had to be like a, an accomplished musician. You had to be able to play everything from Rush to Aerosmith to Ted Nugent to so Queen. So he played all that. So. Mick did all that, yeah. yeah. Like, I, like I I tried like out for top forty bands. Was it like now that's what I call music? The now that's what I call music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like all the best top yeah. songs. Yeah, and Mick, you know, wow. and that's how. So he made enough money to buy equipment and stuff, wow. like, stuff okay. like that. And I remember trying out for top forty bands, and I would go in, and they would say, "Okay, we're going to do a bad company song," and then I wouldn't play it exactly. And then the first thing I would say is, "I go, well, you know, I got I got songs. If you guys want to do songs," and they they said, "What's Songs. He goes, you're not going to make any money writing songs. You have to play other people's songs. And that just kind of like, wow. I, I, so a few times I tried to join one of these top 40 bands and I just ended up, I just kept being a songwriter. 
That's so good that they rejected you. I'm so happy I was rejected. Can you imagine Nikki Six from the Top 40s band? You guys remember? Like, <laughs> yeah. the, on your worst first. Yeah, on my worst but, first. But like, it helped out Mick because Mick knows so so many different cording and different versions of stuff. So it actually, when we're writing music and stuff, Mick will come up with ideas that we wouldn't think about because he knows so many kind of uh, wow. other songs. Yeah, so yeah. he's able to contribute so easily. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So then you guys started taking off. And then, so do you want to talk about some of your first experiences, some of your first worst experiences on tour? Because I've yeah. i heard some stories. Is, is, I don't want to like bring up anything in particular. Um, but some of your first... Well, this uh, was a bad one. We had a manager named Alan Kaufman. Okay. And he lived in Grass Valley, Nevada. Uh-huh. And... For some reason, we went up there. I think he was trying to get us out of the Hollywood. He was like, "Come to Nevada, we, where you we can't find We were just any really drugs, just cows. We, when we found each other, we found crazy. Oh God! We found each other. We found there's no one like us, and we just sort of like were like pigs in mud. We loved it, and I think he was like, "I got to get these guys out." And we were writing songs constantly and writing songs. So we went up to Grass Valley, Nevada. Tommy and Vince built this drum solo based on a queen drum. I mean, a, a drum riser built on a queen drum riser. Uh -huh. They built it in this guy's garage. Wow, in Nevada. I mean, it was, it was this thing was huge. And you can see it in early days of, of uh, Motley Crue playing in clubs. It was like two tiers, white, with all light bulbs in the front of it, big flash. I mean, it was so cool, especially for a club band. And um, we were putting out... Our record, no record company would sign us, so we were putting out our record, Too Fast for Love, on Leather Records. So he said we should do an in-store. So I'll never forget, um, he said, I'm going to have you guys go to the Grass Valley radio station. I'd never been on the radio before. The Grass Valley radio station. Yeah. They're like, oh, Let me next, tell you, uh, Grass Valley, you've been to Ojai? No. It's like two blocks long. No. That, that's Grass Valley. It's two oh blocks long. Oh, my God. So, They're like, we had a special on milk today. And uh, it is, up yes. next, uh, some, <laughs> you guys so he from said, Motley Crew. He said, you're going to go on, and you guys can tell them we're, that you're doing an in-store. So we, I remember we were standing there. It was me, Tommy, Mick, and Vince on the end. And the guy asked a question. He said something, and we all just looked at him like, and, he, and, and I was like, my band's not going to say anything. So I was like, yeah. Like, that, I was <laughs> you like, didn't even hear what he said, and you just said, I, yeah? No, I just answered, and then no one else. The, and, and it sort of started this like weird thing where like, I don't always want to talk for the band. Yeah. But sometimes they won't talk. No, you will you tell Tommy? To talk will you tell Tommy sometimes he just I've doesn't? i making Tommy talk. Make Tommy talk. <laughs> Make Tommy talk, talk again. Yeah, I have been making him talk. Yeah. Let's get him a hat. I know, says, but like, see, Tommy he's not talk. even here. Like, we should FaceTime and be like, "You motherfucker! Look, now I'm making Nikki talk again. God damn it! No, I know, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's." So, so, we, so we do. So the the point of the radio station was we did the we announced that we were doing this this in store and that our album was coming out. Yeah. So we went to whatever this record store was called in Grass Valley, and I'm telling <laughs> you, it's only two blocks long. And so we were there, and we like, you know, we had our vibe together and we're hanging out and you guys probably did stuck out like a sore thumb uh, in got, grass totally. valley yes yeah just yes. with your like leather pants on the and, whole like... thing right <laughs> and uh we were in waiting and waiting no one was there and so finally i remember like looked over events and i'm like what are you doing he's like going through the acdc section and then tommy was going through like the t-rex section and we were just trying to act like we were customers because <laughs> no one showed up to our first in-store. No, We were like, oh, wow, we really don't have a shot, do we? <laughs> no record company will sign us. We release our record and no one shows up. Aww. But back in Los Angeles, it was different. And we sold 40,000 copies of that record. And that's what started our Woo! career. Yeah. Wait. Yes. Clap. I love that. So wait, so when did you have your first like successful in-store when you were like, oh, shit's changed? Where you were like, was it like, did you just once go to that, LA? Once, once that album hit yeah. and it, it just, everything changed. Okay. It really changed. And, and it changed the energy of the band too. Because we weren't struggling to go uphill. Yeah. We, now, we could now 
we were going uphill, but we could see it now. Right. Like there was before, it was just roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and we would play, and like more people were showing up. But once that album came out, it was it was really, it was really magical. I mean, we made a single. It had stick to your guns and toast to, toast toast to your town, toast to your, toast to the town. I can't remember. <laughs> The fans well, tell thanks. you, I love it. It's I love been a while. It. That's amazing. Um, Wait, so when you were at an in We used to give that record out so people would come to the You would give it state. away for free? No, the single. We oh. would give it, Vince would hand them out so people would come close to the stage. I love that. Yeah. That's a good trick. I should have brought some candy or something yeah, this, today yeah, for candy, everybody. Come closer. I love it. cheaper. Um, so when you were doing the in-stores, did anything crazy ever happen? Did you ever have any like crazy fans do anything insane that... <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. 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 Like, what's the craziest shit that's ever happened during an in-store? Um, this this one in-store we were doing, I think, in Colorado. Uh, this was probably a little later, like around "Shout at the Devil," so things were really heating up for the band. Uh -huh. And uh, we were doing lots of in-stores, like every single city, and there was now it was going to be thousands and thousands of people. We're coming, and, and we were having a blast. Right, we were uh, out opening for Ozzy Osbourne, wow. and we were on the road, and you know, we were just—it was just everything that you can imagine. It was just, such just a, huge, just for the band. Yeah, and um, we went to get in the vehicle, which was the promoter had like a van or something, it, like like the kind that has like Scooby Doo on the side. Like it wasn't a cool <laughs> van. And we jump oh in the gosh. back. We go to get in, and there were two girls in the van with no clothes on. And then our security guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, first of all, do you have ID? What's going on? Like, this yeah. whole thing, right? Yeah. Gives the girls some clothes, covers them up. Oh, my God. Uh, and they go to start the van, and the girls had opened the, the uh, hood and had taken uh, part of the motor apart. Oh my God. So not only, like, we, we couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> they were like, you're stuck with us in our tits. You're just gonna suck on them. You're like, neither of us. Uh, that's insane. But, like, weird stuff like that but, would like, happen to us all the time. Yeah. Just, like, take their bras off. <laughs> yeah. I got your carburetor, Nikki Sinks. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to lift, lick this cooter if you want it back. <laughs> Dead. Yikes! <laughs> what a nightmare! Right? <laughs> so, what did you guys do? Well, I mean, I don't don't really remember it. That <laughs> <Yeah. way. laughs> oh All right. Well, we know how that story ended. But, uh, yeah. That's crazy. But fans would do the funniest things. Like we we would get a knock on the back. I remember we were playing Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And there was a knock the back. The security guys sees a a, a girl there with a with a, a Domino's pizza or something. Says, "I've got pizza for the band." He's like, "Oh, okay." You know, the people that work at arenas don't really get it. They just, they're like hired, like they've already retired. So like they get a job, like they work twice a week. Yeah. You can't expect them to really like know their they're job. They're like, I'll watch a bunch of guys in leather walk around. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, How much, 15 bucks an hour? Exactly, 15 yeah, bucks yeah. an hour, right? Sure. They're not going to yeah, save you it. if anybody's trying to hurt right. you or anything. <laughs> so um, they let this, this girl backstage with the pizza and walks right in the dressing room and she had a pizza and she goes pizza and we were like oh man pizza that's great and then she's we, like and tits and, yes and that's exactly right that's exactly and right you guys want to see some real pepperoni right here oh my god <laughs> jesus christ exactly so she wasn't a real pizza girl no she no. didn't work for Domino's. Did not work for she Domino's. But isn't that genius? That's fucking she, How so did she smart. get the outfit? Who else is going to do that now? I am. I am. Who's getting backstage? Just go to get a Domino's uniform on it eBay. Probably, it probably still worked today. For sure. Probably, yeah, I got yeah. a pizza for the band. Fuck it. Yeah, come yeah. on back. No one will say no to pizza. No one no says one. no to no pizza. No one in their right mind will say no to pizza. Okay, I got the five minutes sign back there. I wanted to kind of open it up to you guys. If anyone has any questions for Nikki, is that okay with you? Yeah, Before sure. Before I even do that. Yeah, okay, great. So this guy right here, you want to... Oh, I have to redeem myself. It is Toast of the Town. Toast of the Town. All Dope. right, thank you. I said it, I go, oh, shit, I told him the song the wrong title. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, congratulations on the newest addition to the family. That's awesome. Yeah! Thank you. Ruby! I love it. My very first concert was 1987 with you guys, and we uh, actually flew our kids out from Columbus, Ohio, and saw you on your last show at the Staples Center on New Year's Eve 2015. Oh, nice. Awesome. Who was playing with us in 87? White Snake. Yeah, White Snake. And Anthrax. Wow. Uh, you're like I don't think it was Anthrax. Legend Valley 1987. 
I read mm. your book, you had a paragraph. I don't think you remember. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't remember my own song. How would I remember third on the bill? Oh, my God. I saw, I saw something from Mick Jagger a few years ago, and they were talking to him about a song. He goes, mm, sorry, don't know that song. And they're like, what, what, it's, it's, it's the fourth song on your third album. And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I don't remember that song. He said, but it was a number one hit. He's like, sorry, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, my question's about uh, 6 a.m. You guys are going to be doing something else? Yeah, we're, we're releasing stuff, little, little by little. No, no touring or anything right now. But. I would what you guys did uh, with the Cars Drive. Yeah. Uh, we're not working on an album right now. We're working on individual tracks, and uh, we're also a lot of the music's going to be going into the musical that I'm working on right now. So it's it's ninety nine percent six a.m. music because those lyrics were written around the subject, and um, there's some uh, probably about four or five new songs as well that are in the musical from that so yeah it's kind of been doing that it's just like it's it's been nice to be off the road and not be you know because i was doing a radio show i was doing motley crew and i was doing 6 a.m and i i i was really and i was doing my photography i was just burnt out yeah, i just burnt out so when ra radio i left radio 6 a.m put it on hold motley you know retired and um i i'm like pretty really recharged right now. I mean, we have a new baby and stuff, and that's like, so I'm so happy to be home for that and be home for my other kids and my wife. But yeah. um, I'm about ready to start, you know, getting the creative juices going again. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thanks. Anybody else? We can probably do one more question. Oh, we got to You pick. Okay. <laughs> oh, look at this outfit. You're amazing. role-playing website. It's, it's a neat um, You were actually, it was a character based off of you. And actually, that person actually turned, handed the reins over to me and actually revamped that character. And oh, wow. He's an alien version of you. And actually, I'm working on him in the script. <laughs> There's an alien version of you out there. Well, There's <laughs> an alien version inside of me. Yeah. Comics. Comics. I I don't know much about comics actually. A little bit. I mean, I love the I love the art. Yeah. 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 So basically, the worst first podcast is here. So I had Nikki come as my guest. So that's like how we ended up at Comic Con. Yeah. yeah. Look at your whole outfit though. It's so cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. And a little Nikki. Yeah. Six that's doll. awesome. That's awesome. Great. I love it. Cool. Okay, okay, I think, I don't know how much more time we, we have, but... On this side. Okay, go ahead, you pick. You? Okay. Yeah. Hi, um, I just... Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay, yeah. right after, right yeah, after, okay. right after. Just, okay. just speak a little bit louder. Okay, first of all, hi. 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 What's your name? Jaya. Jaya. Oh, Jaya, what's up? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, okay, so... I feel like I'm at a girl party when you do that. Hey, girl. Hey, girlfriend. I love it. That's what it's like at home, huh, baby? Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes my wife, I think she forgets that I'm not one of her girlfriends. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I do that to Tommy, do you? too. Yeah, I make him go get pedicures with me and shit, yeah. yeah she's like, like, do you like these coming. eyelashes? What do you think of this? This little glimmer. So I go, you know I'm a guy. Yeah, but still, I that's... Mean, <laughs> We need to bounce that. You guys used to wear more makeup than we ever did. Don't bring did, that up. So. That's not true. <laughs> we never wore makeup. I've seen the pictures. I have not uh, painted my nails for since I grew up. Aww. I'm telling Tommy he has yeah. painted toes right now. Uh, okay. Toenails, yeah. Okay, go ahead. If there was like one, like any story that you wanted so badly to put in like the, either the dirt book or the movie, what would it be? Like, any story that you just wanted it in there, but nobody else was like, don't think I'm do that. In, in the movie? Or the book, either way. I, to be honest with you, everything that I, that I felt was important was in the movie. Um, a, a lot of stuff got left out if you read the book because it, otherwise, um, 
well, I mean, it would have been like a eight hour movie. You know, you just you just only so much. If you've seen a movie on Gandhi, it's like the same length as our movie. I mean, how do you do that? You know, exactly. or Nelson Mandela. But um, the most important thing for me that we fought for as a band, and that sometimes people didn't see eye to eye on us, and we we finally compromised was it was very important to us in the movie um, that we showed how we owned our music. And it, was, it was really important to us as a band, and it caused us a lot of heartbreak standing up for ourselves to get our music. We were, at one point, we were blackballed at radio. No one would play us at radio. And, um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's all under one umbrella. It's all an old boy network. That's all it is. They're... If you upset this one, you upset that one, if you upset that, and we said we're gonna stand for our right to own our music, and uh, during that period, it was very hard for us, and we, we lost out on, on ticket sales, we lost out on people that wanted to work with us. Like I said, radio wouldn't play us, promoters didn't wanna work with us, and um, we forged ahead on our own, and we got those masters back, we own our recordings, the band was sort of reinvented around Carnival of Sins based on the fan demand. And the band came back, and it was important to us to explain to people that we sold 500% more records every year since then than when a major label had our, had our uh, records and our masters. So we own that, and it was a lot of heartache to get to that. And it's been very lucrative for us, but it was also very, uh, it was very litigious and there was a lot of pain behind it. And we wanted that in the movie. And that to me was like really important that we yeah. showed that, you know, that, that Motley Crue owns their own music. Yeah, they fought yeah. for that. And, yeah. and, and by the way, we knew a lot of people wouldn't really understand that, but, but it was important to us to, to show that, you know, musicians should own their own music. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. Well, I mean, I think the, also the amazing thing about Motley is that you guys wrote all your own songs and yeah. all your own music. And like, you know, for instance, a lot of them big stars today, big musicians, right. like they just go in and they have a team of writers that writes everything for them yeah. and then they just sing it. But you guys, like every song, every hit, everything that you've done. It would be so nice to be able to be in a band and say to you, up, if yeah. you were my manager and say, Find me the 10 greatest songs in the world and call me and I'll... I'll come sing them. I'll come sing them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be so nice because I can't tell you the amount of times being in the studio, writing, writing, and it's like they're not good enough. The melodies aren't good enough. We got to rewrite the song. Got to recut the drums. We got to... I mean, it's over and over because we chose to... To do it yourselves. To, to, be, to write our own music and to write our own lyrics. And yeah. the lyrics represent what we're going through. And if we're lucky, maybe it's something you're going through at the same time and you can, you can relate to it. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I'm, I'm yeah. so blown away by you guys. Like, I had no idea. I, I actually thought all bands... Like, you had, had no idea who we were, huh? I mean, I had no idea. No, that's... <laughs> Hilarious. That's Before true. I married Tommy. She no, never, I did. She, I did. She never... I she told were. me when okay. I first met her, she said... It's so nice to meet you. I'd never heard of you. No, I didn't. I yes, you did. did I say that? You said I never heard what? of your band or you. No, I didn't. Yes. When, yes. Where was this? I, I was at my house. I said I never <laughs> heard of you. <laughs> it's not true. Wow, I'm gonna kill. I was gonna say. It's I was like, I don't true. think I did that. No. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> wow, that was almost really bad. Wow, well, that bad. <laughs> Man, I love you guys. I love White Snake's my favorite. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so we have time for literally one more question, and I feel so bad that you stood up and sat down. So I think is that okay? okay? I feel so bad. I know you got the Motley shirt on and everything. Okay, really quick. Hi. Um, first Wait. of all, I just wanted to say that I love you a lot. Oh. Me or him? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's like, uh, Nikki, just yeah, kidding. Sure. What's your name? Um, Jaylene. Jaylene, nice to meet you. Um, so I just wanted to ask you how you feel knowing about how just big you are and how back then the way you would think, like, um, I guess saying how you felt back then and how you feel now the way, just knowing how big you are, like, I guess how, su how successful you've been with your um, mu music and your book and your movie, just everything. Right. How does it make him feel to see ha to have all this success now? Okay. 
I, I, I believe um, that he, that is not, uh, I believe it's, I'm not allowed to think like that because it will destroy everything that I believe in, which is complete, pure creativity. And so if I wake up and I'm looking at my base and I'm thinking, I've achieved all this stuff, then I've already kind of squashed this idea of this simple, uh, just beautiful, creative idea I have for a little baseline or a little, like, wow, I wonder what Tommy would play against this. I wonder what Vince would sound like on this. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And so every day I, I'm kind of like trying to explore and find new things. And I started painting and I started doing different kinds of photography. And I keep trying to challenge myself. Started taking jazz bass lessons. Let me tell you now, I'm not going to be in a jazz band. But, <laughs> but it, it's kind of made my brain go, whoa. So if I ever think about a, that what I've achieved, I think my career's over. I think that I have to have a... a beginner's mindset till the end like till the very last breath that has to be a beginner's mindset so that's how i think and i try i hope that keeps ego in place because i think ego is also the massive destroyer of creativity and um so that's like my little weird like your guys are like oh my god i'm gonna hang myself after nikki talked <laughs> You're, I call myself Little Dark Rain Cloud. You're so zen, though. You are. You guys are all very. I mean, well. You, when Vince is like, when Vince is like, "Hey, Nikki, go up and say something to the the crowd." Like, hey, I always grab the microphone and I go to my tech. I go, "Here goes the Little Dark Rain Cloud." <laughs> Just all depressing. <laughs> and I, I go sit on the edge of the stage, and yeah, you know, if Tommy goes on the edge of the stage, everyone's happy. But if I go on the edge of <laughs> stage, everybody sits down. They're everyone like, "Everyone oh, starts crying." No. They put their lighters in the air. They're like, "Who died?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this has been an amazing Worst First Live. Um, it's been such an honor, Nikki, to have you here. I'm so Thank grateful. Um, I just want to do a little video really quick and just like, have all of you kind of shout really quick that, like, you know, shout out for Nikki Six right now. One, two, three. <laughs> that was Worst First Live with Nikki Six. Guys are amazing. I've been thank I'm you. so grateful for all of you who showed up, and this was a great opportunity. And thank you to Comic Con and Studio 71 for putting this on. And thank you to Nikki and his beautiful wife Courtney for coming through for me tonight. I really appreciate you guys are the best people in the world, and I love you both very dearly. Thank and you. thank you for you know taking a step away from your baby for a second. Oh, I know you sorry. guys are addicted to her, so we're yeah. gonna let you get it's back great. to her. But, but um, thank you guys for yeah. coming down and and. Uh, and yes. checking out this and, and uh, keep following Brittany. She's doing great Aww. stuff. I, I love this worst first. Shout out to you guys. She's funny. I, I say she reminds me of Lucille Ball. I really do. I think she's because she's 24-7 crazy. Yeah, just totally psycho. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much. And stay tuned every week for more worst firsts.